Clap. Greg. Hello. Three, two, one. You know, I thought at first this this week I wasn't really going to have enough news to make a worthwhile episode. And I thought, well, at least it'll be short. And then it just started rolling in. Just keep rolling, 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 rolling. Yep. <laughs> but that's how it goes. Here on Under the Bridge. Indeed. With your best bros to talk about how it goes. That's that's good. Was it? I thought that was really bad. <laughs> I mean, okay, it's... It's impressive that you got that off the cuff. Okay, <laughs> I'll take it. I'm Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And I'm Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And I'm now up to three Twitter followers. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, it's a cesspool over there. Mm, yeah, oh, yeah, what, what makes you say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I've got some gaming news that was just announced today. Oh, boy. EA Games has made a new studio called Cliffhanger Games, which is working in partnership with Marvel Games to develop a Black Panther third-person single-player game. Is this the same Black Panther game that's gonna have Bucky in it that takes place during World War II? No, 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 this is different. Okay, (laughs) because I haven't heard anything about that project in a while. Yeah, it's been a minute, hasn't it? Yeah. I'm hoping this isn't the one, because I seem to recall, I don't think we covered it here because it was a leak rather than anything official. But there were leaked details of a Black Panther game being worked on, I'm pretty sure by EA, and the shtick was, you're playing the new Black Panther, because the old one, not explicitly stated, but also not denied to be T'Challa, is dead. (laughs) Naturally, people were upset. Yeah, I I can't imagine why. (laughs) Anyways... Mm. Assuming this isn't that, and assuming they aren't stupid enough to kill off T'Challa in the video games as well. Yeah, oh god, it's like, I'd hope not, because that just becomes a thing. It's like, and this is Chadwick Boseman's legacy, just dying as T'Challa. <laughs> Chadwick Boseman's legacy. He took the Black Panther down with him. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's terrible, and I desperately hope that's not what happens. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Anyways, assuming that is not the case with this, I'm looking forward to this. I honestly think Black Panther lends itself so well to an open sort of sandbox game better than mm. lots of other superheroes. Mm-hmm. Maybe Daredevil could also do it. I mean, I could see it just becoming a walk-around Wakanda simulator. That'd be pretty sick. That would be pretty awesome. Okay, hear me out on this one. GTA, but it's Ghost Rider. Yes. <laughs> Actually, like, genuinely... <laughs> So, what's funny is that I never played the Ghost Rider PlayStation 2 game, so I have zero frame of reference, but I am actually 100% on board for that. I think it was a Devil May Cry clone. Oh, was it? Pretty okay. Sure. I mean, I'm still I'm still kind of cool with that. I mean, they literally had a Biker Gang standalone expansion for Grand Theft Auto 4, so it wouldn't be the first time that Rockstar had done, like, motorcycle things. Just, now it's fiery motorcycle things. Yeah, that'd be neat. I would welcome that with open arms. <laughs> you just kill sinners. That's all your missions. <laughs> so, killing the entirety of the population of, insert, Grand Theft Auto City of Choice. <laughs> yeah, probably. Mm. Anyways, we'll, we'll find out. We know barely anything about this Black Panther game, but... Yeah. Here's hoping it's good. Here's hoping it's better than Avengers. Yeah, here's hoping it's better... Well, I feel like Avengers is a particularly low bar. Well, yeah, but it's also a very high-profile low bar. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Anyways, I got another gaming-adjacent thing. 
Okay. Rooster Teeth has announced that the upcoming series Red vs. Blue Restoration is going to be the end of Red vs. Blue. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that's... I didn't think Red vs. Blue would ever come to an end. It's a big pillar of internet video game culture. (laughs) Yeah, I figured it would take the death of Rooster Teeth itself to bring Red vs. Blue down. So, you know, I figured it'd take at least another couple years. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> that's that's a little sc- scalding there. <laughs> I stand by it. I'm proud of it. A little bit of heat on the on the furnace. <laughs> all they've said is it's coming soon. However, it's not all bad news mm. because Bernie Burns, Gus Sarola, Jeff Ramsey, and Matt Hollum are all coming back as Church Simmons, Griffin, Sarge. Completely forgetting that these guys do like video game movies and stuff like that. Is it bad that my brain? I'm literally, when you said his name was, like, what, Bernie Burns? Yeah. Yeah, my brain went, that's not a real name. <laughs> no, that's real. He was one of the founders of Rooster Teeth. Oh, okay, cool, cool. <laughs> but he left in 2020. Ah. He was church. He was church, okay. Which, no wonder he hasn't been involved in a while since... I guess, I guess spoilers for, like, Red vs. Blue eight years ago or something, church is dead. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm pretty sure all the AI fragments are gone. But anyway. Church has gone home. Church is fucking dead. <laughs> I forget how long ago it was now. Doesn't matter. Mm. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Right. So yeah, that's... I stopped watching Red vs. Blue like probably four or so seasons. Whenever the time travel stuff really kicked in. I mean, I've only watched, like, bits and pieces of Red vs. Blue. no, time travel was there- wait, was that actual time- I don't remember, it all got really complicated. The one, the blue- the last season I watched was the one with the blues and reds, who popped up in opposition to the reds and the blues. Oh, okay. It makes sense <laughs> in context, alright? Okay, fair enough. Kind I of. have, again, I- I- <laughs> again, I've only watched bits and pieces of the shows. Fair. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a bittersweet thing that I- Genuinely was not prepared for. Right. And now for some comic news. Oh boy. Mary Jane Watson's becoming a superhero. Is that good? It it is a thing. Okay. It's... Is this like is it is this gonna be like another episode of Lady Thor? <laughs> no, because she's not becoming Spider Man. Okay. Instead, she is taking on the mantle of Jackpot. Why does that name sound familiar? Okay, so... (laughs) I don't know if that's a good introduction to this explanation or not. It's like, okay, so... (laughs) (laughs) Exasperated growl. It's just like, oh no. It's like... Hold on, I have to check a thing. Hey, is Sony still making a jackpot movie? As long as it's not something on the caliber with Comet the Super Horse, then I am all for it. Because <laughs> if I have to make a poorly explained comics about this later, I'm going to be real upset. <laughs> Nobody cares? Okay. Alright, so... Mm. Uh, where do I even start? <laughs> so back when Aunt May got shot and Spider-Man sold his marriage <laughs> to Satan to save her... Right, I forgot about... Oh my god, I, I think I purposely removed that factoid from my brain. Yeah, so did a lot of people. <laughs> Anyways, in the aftermath of that, Spider-Man's timeline kind of got reset, and there were a lot of changes, like Harry Osborn was alive, turns out actually, no, he wasn't. Uh, Mm. Mr. Negative showed up, Peter and Mary Jane obviously had never been married. So, in the aftermath of this, there was a new superheroine running around named Jackpot, 
who happened to be supermodel attractive with red hair, and whose name is Jackpot. Now, long-term readers of Spider-Man will be familiar with Mary Jane's famous catchphrase during her, I think it was her introduction, of Face It Tiger, You Just Hit the Jackpot, a phrase which she almost never uses in actuality, but much like Uncle Ben in Great Power, Great Responsibility, <laughs> has become inextricably linked to her character. It is one of those things that you just expect to hear. God, I hate mm. it. It's even worse in Uncle Ben's case, because in the original comic, he didn't even say it. Oh, really? That was a narrator line. Oh, really? Yeah, no. Oh, okay. Huh. People remembering things wrong and then making between adaptations is a bitch. Anyways, the, the point I was getting at is you would think that this red-haired, supermodel, attractive superhero based on something Mary Jane has associated with her sayings-wise would be, in fact, an empowered Mary Jane. No. Red herring. Completely unrelated. What? What? <laughs> in fact, there were two different... <laughs> what? There were two different jackpots, neither of whom were Mary Jane. Okay. Until now. W then, what happened to the old ones? Well, one died. As they do. I think the other one retired? I don't know. The writers <laughs> kind of stopped being interested in using them once the Mary Jane twist ran out. Uh, oh, that's fun. Anyways, Mary Jane Jackpot's whole thing is, oh god, I don't want to have to explain the latest run of Spider-Man because I'm not even sure I understand what's going on. <laughs> that's encouraging. And that's also further reaffirming why I don't follow comics. <laughs> So Mary Jane got stuck in some time dilation dimension with this asshole named Paul who ended up building a gauntlet with the Halo superpowers. So is this... Okay, I'm sorry. This sounds like a bad it's, episode of, it, like, Friends. It's, 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 it's more like a bad episode of Lost. Okay, it's like, it's like, it sounds like being like, it's like the worst date. It's like, I'm stuck in some interdimensional time fissure with this jackass named Paul. So <laughs> he, my he, phone's, my phone's dead. <laughs> he built her a gauntlet that's basically a roulette, or not a roulette wheel, a slot machine wheel that does different symbols. It's got three different okay. slots on it, and each combination of symbols gives her a different power, and not all of them are useful. I don't know why he did this. I don't know how he did this. I haven't read... I've read summaries of the line because I hate the concept. So basically he created Final Fantasy VII Crisis Core. Yes. <laughs> okay. I suppose he has. Point is, this is at least thematically appropriate, more so than the other jackpots, who I think were just super strong or something. Mm. But the main reason I'm not a fan of it is because I'm not big on the idea that every main supporting character in a superhero's roster needs to become super themselves. Mm -hmm. It's temporary, I'm sure. It's a gimmick. Yeah. Or who knows? Maybe with Mary Jane being a superhero, the writers will pull their heads out of their butts. No, I shouldn't say writers, it's editorial. They'll pull their heads out of mm -hmm. their asses and stop thinking that there's th that the end of Spider-Man's story is getting married. What a stupid fucking idea. What an absolutely <laughs> asinine, ass-backwards concept. You know how long Superman's been married? Mm. Quite a while. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Fucking idiots. Mm. Movie stuff. Movie stuff. We got an update from Simu Liu on the Shang-Chi sequel. Okay. It's not good. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm guessing the writer's strike has something to do with that. Partially. What he said was, was told it would follow Avengers, but that keeps pushing back due to circumstances beyond my control. Oh. He didn't specify which Avengers, either. Ooh, double ooh. <laughs> I'd assume he's talking Kang Dynasty, because Destin Daniel Cretton, who directed Shang-Chi, was also set to direct the Kang Dynasty. Hmm. So I'm assuming him being busy on that 
is what's pushing back Shang-Chi. Okay. But what a fucking disappointment. Yeah, just a little bit. Because that was such a good movie. It was a really good movie. One of my favorites post-Endgame. Yeah, it's definitely... I'd say of all of the Marvel movies post-Endgame, it's definitely the one that I'd say has the highest amount of general originality. And is also entertaining the entire way through as well. Which, all of them are, but I feel like well, Shang-Chi was probably the highest for me. Other than Eternals, I think Shang-Chi is the only one that's not based on a pre-existing character. That too. So that'd probably be why. Mm-hmm. And by pre-existing character, I mean pre-existing in the MCU. Right, right. Obviously. So yeah, that's sad. I... Uh... If you need to fill a slot, <laughs> put that one in there. Yeah, for real. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. A little bit. Here's one. Okay. As we all know, the Barbie movie is coming soon. Very excited. Can't wait. Indeed. We now have some details on the previous script that would have had Amy Schumer in the lead role. Oh, really? Yeah, Diablo Cody, the writer of the script. <laughs> what? That's not a real name. That's a real name. <laughs> Diablo Cody? That's that's a real name. She was the writer that's... of the Powerpuff Girls script for the CW that never got off the ground because it was terrible. Okay. An anti-Powerpuff <laughs> Girl, essentially. Oh, boy. So, what she said, and I appreciate her candor, is... Okay. Mm-hmm. When I was first hired for this, I don't think the culture had embraced the femme or the bimbo as valid feminist archetypes yet. If you look up Barbie on TikTok, you'll find this wonderful subculture that celebrates the feminine... But in 2014, taking this skinny blonde white doll and making her into a heroine was a tall order. Mm. Uh, the idea of an anti-Barbie made a lot of sense given the feminist rhetoric of 10 years ago. I didn't really have the freedom to, then to write something that was faithful to the iconography. They wanted a girl boss feminist twist on Barbie, and I couldn't figure it out because that's not what Barbie is. Okay. Now, far be it for me to present myself as an expert, but I will anyway. <laughs> okay. But I know I'm wrong, probably. Mm-hmm. Barbie's had, like, 50,000 jobs, some of which are very impressive. Right. Like an astronaut. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you could make a 100% girl boss Barbie movie. Yeah, considering all the stuff that Barbie has done. Now, doing that and being anti-Barbie at the same time, that's that's actually difficult, though. Yeah. So, no, yeah. That would be That would be a, a lot more difficult, just because... I feel like Barbie Barbie kind of does one of those things where she represents the whole super femme aspect, but also to at least a, a noticeable degree representing like not being totally hopeless, yeah. if that makes sense. So it's like having her be anti-Barbie is like, okay, in that aspect, either you're making, you are actually making her completely hopeless or you're taking away the femme aspect, which, which like she said, none, neither of those would have really worked in 2014. True. <laughs> She also brought up, I heard endless references to the Lego movie in development, and it created a problem for me because they had done it so well. Anytime I came Mm. up with something meta, it was too much like what they had done. It was a roadblock for me, but now enough time has passed that they can just cast Will Ferrell as the antagonist in a real-life Barbie movie and nobody cares. (laughs) That is is the only part of the upcoming Barbie movie that weirds me out, by the way. (laughs) The meta part? Well, no, not the meta part. Well, partially that, but also Will more Ferrell. so just Will Ferrell being the antagonist. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's just, I don't think I've ever seen him being an antagonist in anything, but considering this is also more of a comedy movie anyway, this makes sense. I thought he was the antagonist so. in Zoolander. Not that I know, I've never seen it. I have never seen Zoolander. 
I've never seen all of Zoolander. The only time I was inter- interested in Zoolander completely was because Lewis Hamilton makes a cameo in it. Okay. In the second one, I'm pretty sure. All right. <laughs> That's it. But but I can understand I can understand like the reasoning there. Yeah, who I my 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 take on the mention of a girl boss Barbie movie is probably me misinterpreting what's being said because yeah. I could definitely see getting super conflicting studio notes that end up adding up to a movie that's actually impossible to make. Right. Either way, I am very excited for the Barbie movie we're getting. <laughs> and I feel like if they'd kept Amy Schumer it wouldn't have you couldn't have, you couldn't have sold this movie. Yeah, no. Because just the that one bit of Barbie going, you guys ever think about dying and then having that overly wide smile on her face? Yeah. It's just I I don't think you could have anybody other than Margot Robbie do that one. Yeah, only Margot Robbie especially like the facial reaction after that. Only Margot Robbie can really pull that off. Either way, we'll We'll see when Barbie comes out in two weeks. In two weeks. Same fights like that and fucking Oppenheimer on the yeah. same again. Sucks to God be you, damn. nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Sucks to be me, too, because I also have to see both of them, probably. Yeah, uh, well, it's like, you you get to say probably. I am, I, I am going to see both. I'm probably going to hate myself for it. <laughs> Welcome to my world. Hmm. Why do you think I stumble over so many things? <laughs> Fair. I'm calling this next part. Shut. Uh. Mm, no. No. I'm not giving this a segment. <laughs> this is just random stuff from James Gunn. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna call it shots fired, and then I realized he's not actually like giving anybody any sick burns, so that wasn't really an appropriate title. But it's funny because his name is Gunn, like the weapon. Down the barrel with James Gunn. <laughs> <laughs> Down the barrel. Ooh. <laughs> um, that's worse. That's <laughs> that's actually worse. Oh dear! It's like Mr. Gunn, the Scarlet <laughs> Troll, has made some serious accusations against you. No, please hold on. <laughs> I meant him with deepest respect. Please don't bar me from seeing Superman Legacy or Blue Beetle. Oh dear! So he talked about potential plans for a legendary Star Lord movie. Okay. Obviously, this wouldn't be a thing he'd be doing. Yeah. So he said, We always want to give somebody a little something special. And Chris and I forever have talked about how great it would be to be able to do a legendary Star-Lord movie. A story with Star-Lord on Earth trying to adapt to the environment of Earth in the same way that somebody else might try to adapt to the alien environment of outer space. He's a fish out of water and Hmm. just kind of regular water. So I can't wait to see it. That actually sounds really fun. Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, I'd I'd totally watch that. Imagine having to explain Twitter to him. Oh, no. Or social media in general. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> him just popping on with Peter Quill, people call me Star-Lord. <laughs> so, a quick caveat from that, because it just reminded me of it. The only funny joke that Need for the Need for Speed games have made in the last ten years was in the most recent one. One of the characters that's in the main storyline is kind of like your old man dad figure in the games. And one of the recurring jokes is that he has no frame of reference to social media, but one of the side characters is trying to get him more into it. And at one point, the side character calls you and says, hey, I'm sorry, I did something really stupid. It's like, what did you do? And it's like, I couldn't help it. He looked so cute at us and he was asking me for help with it. It's like, what? 
Rydell, like, is this Rydell the character in question? What did you do? Did you put some kind of electronics in his car? And, he's, and she's like, no, I did something worse. I made him a Reddit account. And your character just goes, what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just imagining that. <laughs> just just someone introducing Star-Lord to, <laughs> to Twitter. It's just like, and it's just over from there. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> could be worse. You could give it to Drax. Oh, that would be funny, though. I mean, it'd be funny, but it'd also be horrible. Drax's thing of taking everything literally mixed with the stupid shit that people say on Twitter? Oh, that'd be actually, great. you know what? Yeah, give me just 30 minutes of that. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing. <laughs> Moving on from the past and into the future. Hmm. <laughs> James Gunn has also clarified that Superman Legacy will be a workplace origin movie, by which he means it will be focusing on, or it'll involve at least, Clark's early years at the Daily Planet. Okay, I was gonna say, like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> it's, 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 forget Superman, it's a Daily Planet origin movie. <laughs> I mean, is it just gonna be Clark Kent at, working at the Daily Planet, like, The Office style or something like that? No, I imagine it's gonna involve other superheroes, because that was already brought up, that this is going to be... Clark and Superman emerging into a world where superheroes are already prevalent. See, I made that joke earlier, and now I actually want that to happen. <laughs> Sorry. No, you know what? I could see it. I could see, like, in a special episode, like, some kind of parody of The Office where it's the Daily Planet, but it follows Clark Kent and Lois Lane, <laughs> and just everything that comes with My that. Adventures <laughs> with Superman isn't quite that based on the one episode I saw, but it seems like there's a decent amount of planet focus. Okay. It's just also very much a Superman show, but I see what you mean. It would be really funny to have a show that's entirely focused on the Daily Planet aspect, where the joke that nobody in the show is aware of, but the audience is constantly aware of, is that Clark is secretly Superman. <laughs> actually, actually, that would be a really good way for a low-budget Superman show. Oh, yeah. Because any time... You could just have, like, an out-of-focus robot in the background rampaging around, and then Clark just runs off screen, and you just see a blur in the background, and the robot just keels yeah. over. <laughs> and Clark just comes back like nothing's amiss. Maybe his tie's a little askew, but that's all. I'm imagining a scene where he's, like, talk. he's doing the whole, like, talking heads thing, where it's, like, the, just, like, the one person, like, in the room talking to the camera, or in this aspect, it'd be him and Lois, and... You just see the giant robot going off in the distance, and he goes, "Can you can you excuse me for a second, off camera?" <laughs> and then the camera goes back to two of them, and you just see like a jacket just falling mid air to the chair next to Lois, <laughs> and she doesn't even notice because she's too busy going on about whatever. Yeah. <laughs> no, I like that a lot. I don't know if you could make a whole show out of it. No, it would be a short movie, one shot type of deal. I feel like <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you could make a show, but you'd have to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Anyways, point is. <laughs> it might be because like I said it was mentioned that we'll be seeing other superheroes in the movie beyond just Superman which I think is good because mm -hmm. it helps establish Superman as one of the best if he's not also the first right because when he's the first then it's like you get Man of Steel, where everybody's like, oh, I don't know how to handle this uh, 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 redefine our place in the <laughs> cosmos and this is a fucking downer, isn't it? Whereas <laughs> Once, if there's already other superheroes running around, then it becomes a thing of, oh, another one. Oh, but this guy's great. Mm. This guy's really good, actually. Cool. Yeah, he knows He knows exactly what he's doing. And he's really nice. <laughs> so yeah, looking forward to that. Oh, yeah. 
Gunn also provided an update on when we might expect to see Vigilante next. Okay. He replied to in uh, response to a fan question, probably before Peacemaker 2. Okay. Now, I'm thinking Waller, personally, mm. which I think is coming out before Superman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Gunn Gun said he's working on Superman first and then Peacemaker 2. Okay. But I feel like Waller would be the most obvious place for him to show up. Or maybe one of the many superheroes already running around in Superman Legacy. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds awful and I need it. <laughs> Do you though? Do you really? Him trying to be all buddy-buddy with Superman and Superman just very politely trying to fly away. <laughs> He's just slowly edging away the whole time. <laughs> Yeah, but in midair. <laughs> and then he's just like, I think I hear the bat signal, then he flies <laughs> She's just like, but that's not, oh, okay. No, Vigilante gone. doesn't even notice, he's just, okay, bye! Mm, nice. Wait a minute. <laughs> you can't hear a bat signal. <laughs> not with that attitude. <laughs> and then there's one more little update. He also revealed that Creature Commandos will actually be taking place in modern day. Okay. Which is curious because usually they're a World War II style thing. Hmm. But, I guess with Weasel being part of the team, you'd expect that. Right. Although, I would also believe that Weasel is actually like 70 years old. I don't think it's like explicitly confirmed, but isn't that the general idea is that he's like actually really old? No. Oh, okay. For whatever reason, I thought it was a thing like the Weasel is generally like considered very old. He's just stuck being a Weasel. No, like he's, he's just kind of a Weasel. Oh, fair enough. God, he's he's one of my favorite parts of that whole movie, and I already love most <laughs> things about that movie. Right. <laughs> he's a weasel and he's harmless. Ah! Well, not harmless, he's killed 27 children. <laughs> ah. Alright. Ah, very good. And now it's time for that greatest of segments, the writer's strike. do 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 Pay your fucking writers! <laughs> okay, so... Again, it's still ongoing. No word on the the Screen Actors Guild reaching any kind of deal. So it's seeming more likely that they're probably going to strike on Wednesday. Okay. Here's hoping because that gets us one step closer to getting the writers paid and everything yeah. back to normal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greta Gerwig expressed support for the WGA strike at the Barbie premiere. Okay. She also noted that her co-writer, Noah Baumbach, wasn't present. He, he didn't show up in support of the strike. Specifically, what uh, Gerwig said is, My co-writer and co-creator, my partner in love and art, Noah Baumbach, is not here. He's passionately supporting the fight of the Writers Guild of America. From the first line to the last cut, this movie is his as much as anyone's. He is a Barbie girl. Nothing in Barbie <laughs> happened without him, and nothing in Hollywood happens without writers. Okay, I was gonna say is like this. I thought it was a thing like Greta was calling him out. No, it was good. Okay, cool. So that's nice. It's, even if the directors aren't striking, it's good to see some solidarity. Yeah. And then in a weird one, Warren Late, an East Coast strike captain and strike rules compliance committee member, has forfeited both of those positions because this is such a weird fucking thing to describe. He alleged in a tweet that crew members on Ryan Murphy's American Horror Story had told him they'll be blackballed in Murphyland if they don't cross the Writers Guild picket lines. What? Basically, it's him saying that 
crew members said if they don't cross picket lines, they're not going to get jobs with Ryan Murphy's productions or what have you. Okay. So a spokesperson called it absolute nonsense and categorically false. Hmm. And then Murphy's attorney sent a letter to the WGA threatening litigation. Okay. Late proceeded to delete the tweet, issued an apology and retraction, calling his own initial tweet unsubstantiated and completely false and inaccurate, which is like, then why did you... Then why'd you say it? Right? Yeah, like, didn't you start it? So <laughs> So that's not great. Yeah, no. Just goes to show. I don't know what. It just goes to show the show must go on? No, the show must not go on, actually. Yeah, it's like, what? Yeah, so interestingly, multiple sources have told The Hollywood Reporter only four scripted TV series are still in production on the East Coast. Three of them are produced by Murphy. Okay. However, sources also say he's following the letter of the law and going to set as a producer, showrunner, director, and says he's not doing writing, and no guild can convict somebody of conjecture. Okay. A million of us would love to see it, but there's no proof that he's scabbing. He's doing scripts that were done before a strike started. So, we'll see where that goes. <laughs> okay, as I say, it's like, man, if only if that ever just highlights what people think of him. It's like, most of us would love to call him out on this shit, but we can't. It's like, well, ooh, people don't have a high opinion of you, my friend. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens on Wednesday. Hmm. I suppose. Because yeah. if the actors start striking, <laughs> good luck! Yeah, good fucking luck. There goes Comic-Con! <laughs> oh no, there goes Comic-Con. Go, go, Godzilla. Hmm. Uh, I don't know, we'll have to talk about comics. That would actually be kind of novel for this, wouldn't it? Yeah. Entire... <laughs> it's like, we got another big presentation, it's all about comic books! <laughs> it's actually about comic books this time, guys! <laughs> uh. I'm not I'm not ready to be that depressed yet. Mm. And this one's not really related to the writer's strike, but it is related to the AI controversies. Okay. Voice actress Erica Lindbeck, who, among other things, voiced Futaba Sakura in Persona 5. Okay. I believe she's also the voice actor for Luna in Hell of a Boss. Oh, okay. Ended up leaving Twitter after getting into an ongoing feud with somebody who created an AI cover video of her voice. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's insulting. So she called on her followers to report this and similar videos, and then the creator hit back and accused her of starting a harassing campaign, calling the video dumb but harmless. And then she left Twitter. Uh. So, uh, you know what? Whoever it is who made this one and is throwing such a shit show about it, I hope somebody finds what your voice sounds like and starts making all kinds of AI shit about you. Yeah, See how you like it. That's not harmless. That is, I, I, I mean, I feel like there's everyone's response here wasn't the best, but that is like extremely tone deaf from the guy who made it. No, yeah, it's like, ugh. especially because in the UK at least there's precedent that a voice actor's voice constitute, or I think it might have been a singer. Point is, it's a, it's, it's a precedent that somebody's voice constitutes part of their likeness. Yeah, and you can't just as it should. Yeah. And you can't just do whatever you want. Just because you have the capability to do something doesn't mean you're allowed. Nor does it mean that you should put it out on the internet for millions of people to see. I could climb all kinds of restricted fences if I wanted to. That doesn't mean I'm allowed to do it. Yeah. <laughs> sure, I could invade Area 51. <laughs> God, I don't even remember what came of that. I think they just hung out with some of the, with some of the people outside the gate. Mm. I don't remember, though, either. 
Anyways, that's a wretched concept, and it just makes me hate generative AI even more. Well, I mean, in this particular aspect, it makes me hate the people who create it at that point. Because it's like, it's one thing to have the AI do it. It's another thing for when you when someone goes like, hey, I don't like my voice being replaced in an actual piece of work that I did. No, it's not even a piece of work that she did. Mm. They They used an AI to basically fake her voice for a thing. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's even worse. Right? <laughs> it was a cover of Bo Burnham's Welcome to the Internet, only they made it sound like it was being sung by Futaba. Oh, okay. But still... Yeah, that's that's still bad. You want to do a Futaba cover video? Get real good at doing an Erica Lindbeck impression and do it yourself. Man, I miss the days when, when people wanted to like, have funny characters say funny things out of context. They just cut up voice lines from whatever they did. Yeah. You had to get creative like, with that shit. Yeah, that was actually creative. And it showed a lot of effort, usually. And it used pre-created content. Yeah, in that aspect. My favorite example of that, and I encourage anyone, if you have the spare time to look this up, is um when, I think his name was Brian... No, not Brian Grant. Brian Williams, the former host of like the Nightly News. Jimmy Fallon took several clips from his like nightly newscast and made them sound like he was doing like old school rap songs. Oh, nice. And it's really fucking funny. <laughs> I don't think a lot of them are on YouTube anymore. I want to say the one that he did where he had Brian Williams rap Baby Got Back is still on YouTube. <laughs> okay. And I, I, and I highly encourage watching them because they're really well done and extremely funny. I'll check that out. <laughs> oh, I almost forgot the big news. Oh, oh my is that God. An oh, boy, an oh boy or an oh no? How stupid of me. <laughs> Mm. Oh my! <laughs> so there have been a lot of rumors about characters from past Fox Marvel movies showing up in Deadpool 3. You know, there were rumors of Ben Affleck will be back as Daredevil, Ian McKellen will be back as Magneto. Mm-hmm. I-, I don't know. Probably something somewhere of Michael B. Jordan's Human Torch. I haven't actually heard that one, but I'm sure somebody on the internet's claiming it. Okay. But here's one that's actually confirmed. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Garner is coming back as Electra. I don't know if that's good. <laughs> I don't either. Because Electra was not a good movie. No, and see, I have some real concerns. Because if she's back, that lends credence to a lot of these other rumors. And it lends a lot of credence to the idea that Deadpool 3 is going to be, in part, some kind of swan song for the Fox Corner of Marvel. Okay. But I'm really not fucking interested in that. No, I'm not either. <laughs> okay, we already got that with No Way Home, and No Way Home was good because there's only so many Spider-Men, so there's enough time to give them all focus. Mm. And also because they had good aspects. Some of these Fox movies are just garbage. <laughs> like Electra. Like Electra. <laughs> but also, then the other alternative is there are people going, what if it's Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe, but it's the Fox Universe? Motherfucker, that's just the X-Force joke, only even bigger. <laughs> Why would I want to see that? Yeah. But, 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 that's not the biggest part. Mm-hmm. Just today, presumably knowing that somebody was going to leak it anyway if he didn't, Ryan Reynolds, <sighs> the mad lad, gave us a look of Wolverine's, Hugh Jackman is Wolverine, in a yellow and blue fucking costume! We go in old school. <laughs> I love it! And Cody's gone. I don't even care about Wolverine that much, but... 
These are strange noises. I have wanted to see this effort. suit for so goddamn long. <laughs> mm. And this gives me so much hope for whenever the X-Men finally fucking show up. I feel like this is one of the very few instances where a modern superhero anything, so basically like anything from like 2008 onwards, has actually had the hero outside of the context where they would normally wear their classic uniform in their classic uniform. I don't know. There's been plenty of those, I think. Because oh, we don't know the like context is... for why Wolverine's wearing it. Fair. As to say, like, I say context specifically because it's like Captain America, yeah, that makes sense. This is during World War II and all that. But it makes me think of, like, the bit in um, the Luke Cage series where when it's going over Luke's backstory, he actually has his old costume for all of, like, ten <laughs> seconds. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me in the slightest if, if Hugh ends up wearing this just because Deadpool gives it to him and goes... Here, you gotta put this on. Trust me, if you don't do it now, the fanboys are gonna get really angry. He's like, what are fanboys? <laughs> Just put it on! <laughs> so that's exciting. Okay, it is. Indeed it is. Let's go to trailer time. Trailer time. It's trailer time again! We've got movie previews to watch! It's trailer time again! After much anticipation from me, kind of, sort of, mm. we finally got a trailer for The Nun 2. <laughs> the funniest thing about this trailer is that it actually keeps up good momentum in the entirety of the trailer, and it is genuinely terrifying. Right up until the bit where it goes, The Nun 2, and there's, there's a flash of The Nun's face, and then right before the... <laughs> in September bit. In the September bit, it's just like, damn, guys, like, you didn't have to actually do that. <laughs> you just killed the momentum hardcore there. Because we already saw what the nun looked like in the trailer. <laughs> we already saw what the nun looked like from the first The Nun. Mm-hmm. It's not, a, it's not a surprise anymore. Which, I, I guess I don't remember all of The Nun and how it ended, but doesn't she, like, literally get melted to death? In the first one? Well, I mean, yeah, but also, we she's also the... The nun is the demon Valak, which is also the demon in Conjuring 2, so we know that the nun has to survive long enough to show up in the Conjuring 2, and even then, I don't think they got killed in the Conjuring 2, just banished again. Oh, okay. I think even at the end of the first The Nun, they established that Frenchie got possessed or something. Ah, uh, okay. Anyways! This looks cool! I really like the bit t at the end of the trailer where it's just all of the magazines flipping, and then when they all stop, it is just an outline of the nun. I'm like, that is actually genius. That was good that shit. That was deeply creative. Props to whoever came up with that. <laughs> Every so often, these Conjuring movies remind me of why I liked them originally. Mm. Even if one and two were, like, the better ones. Yes. Now, that being said, even though this looks really cool, I'm probably not going to see this. <laughs> oh, I'll see it. I'll see it. There's only one Conjuring movie I haven't seen yet. Oh, really? I still haven't seen Annabelle Comes Home, and I need to fix that. Ah, fair. But that's it. <laughs> that's the only one. Okay. I haven't saw The Curse of La Llorona, which I don't fucking understand how that's not one when it's got crossover characters. Mm -hmm. Wait, it's not part of The Conjuring? Apparently not. No. The director has said it's not. That's stupid. Right? <laughs> apparently exclusively because James Wan wasn't involved, which I guess I can respect, but it's also like, it's the same studio with with crossing over characters. It's part of the fucking thing. Yeah, it's part of the it's part of the canon. Yeah. Huh. We also got a trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon. 
I'm not familiar with the historical context of this, but I am interested. I feel like this is going to be some one of the things that leads into... I wouldn't be surprised if something that leads into how the Native American population creates like the plantations and all that, or at least kind of the start of that. Well, the number one thing that does make me happy, because originally, because this is something that's being produced by Apple, and it showed up on the Apple TV YouTube page, it's just like, oh, fuck, is this going to be another dumbass Apple TV trailer that it shows only in theaters? It's like, yes, thank you. Yeah, I was quite pleased. When I saw Apple TV, I had the same thought. Yeah. (laughs) And I went, this cast is too good for me to not talk about this, but ah, if if it's just on Apple TV... Yeah, that's really annoying. But no, we got Leonardo DiCaprio, we got Robert De Niro, we got Jesse Plemons, Brendan Fraser, John Lithgow. What is this? Yeah. <laughs> Besides, great. Yeah, I was like getting increasingly more mad as it went on. It's like, this is only on Apple TV. And it's like, oh, well, thank God it'll be in theaters. Because this looks really good. <laughs> this looks like a good time. Yeah, apparently this is based on a nonfiction book. Oh, okay. Which presumably means it's based on an actual true thing that happened. Well, here's the hoping. <laughs> I'd assume. Or maybe it's like an amalgamation of, of different events or what have you. True. Also possible. Yes. Either way, though, it looks really good. It looks like it's kind of like nonstop something going on in there. Oh, yep. This is this this is an actual thing. Good. Okay. Good. I mean, bad. Because... <laughs> yeah, there's, there's enough context clues to make somebody go, no, like, not good. This is probably like... A retelling of a very not not good event. <laughs> it is unfortunate that this is a historical thing. Yes. However, I'm glad that they are not presenting it as an actual thing when it is not. If they were doing right. that, then I would be very upset. Because that's how we get Amsterdam. Based on a true story shit makes me mad, because it's usually not. It's usually based on something that may possibly have happened. Right. Ugh. Also, Scorsese's directing. Oh, nice. Which I don't think I already said. <laughs> he may have some inflammatory opinions about what is and is not cinema, but I do still respect <laughs> him as a filmmaker. So that means that you two would be very, it would be very entertaining to just have you two do a debate. Though. Oh, he's so far out of my league, it's not even funny, but <laughs> I still tell it's him so he's stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's still the things like, well, what do you have to say? Did you go to cinema school? No, but here's the thing. You're wrong. Fuck you! <laughs> uh, Greg, did you get an AI to do my voice? <laughs> I'll sue you for that. An AI that sounds exactly like my regular voice? <laughs> <laughs> did you get an AI to amalgamate our voices? <laughs> Ain't nobody got time for that, man. <laughs> nah. Nah. This is apparently releasing October 6th, so happy Halloween for us. Indeed. Happy spooky season. And then just today, as of recording, we got a trailer for Sony Pictures' Napoleon. Yeah, which I am into. Granted, I am a sucker for anything historical. But it's also kind of a thing of... Part of it is a genuine like curiosity and slightly morbid curiosity in the fact that Napoleon is actually being played by Joaquin Phoenix. Right? I do feel like Joaquin Phoenix is a good actor. At no point, at any point in my life, in any context or timeline, do I see him being Napoleon. So I'm like, is he either going to be really great or really awful? I mean, I wouldn't have seen him being Joker either, and for as much as I don't like that movie, he was great. And Vanessa Kirby's in it. Yeah. I figured you'd appreciate that. I do. 
I am so simple. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, so am I. <laughs> yeah, and she actually plays Josephine, who is such a fascinating individual. Is a fascinating and moderately diabolical individual. <laughs> oh, is she the one who ends up pushing Napoleon to do all the uh, conquering? Yeah, and yeah. I like, see. If I remember correctly, their marriage was basically one where it's like Napoleon was the um, was the figurehead, and ultimately whatever he said was what happened. But it's very it's historically it's very heavily implied that Josephine was the one who always like pushed him to like make the final decision. Oh, all right. So, yeah, Josephine. Josephine's not a was not a good person. <laughs> what happens if you? What, what does defeat mean for you? I get exiled to Waterloo. <laughs> <laughs> no, Elba. That's it. He got defeated at Waterloo. Mm. That's the one. I don't know a lot about history, but I know that. Yeah. Also interesting, it's directed by Ridley Scott. Yeah, that's interesting. And that was a big is... part of what drew me to this. Yeah, indeed. We'll see. I like that this is... I don't really feel like grandifying Napoleon... It's just kind of, yeah, he he got a lot done, but he was also a tyrant and also kind of a stooge. Yeah, just a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. Mm. I feel like this is a short trailer time, but oh well. Hey, that's fine. Yeah, it's all some variation of this looks interesting. Yeah, indeed. For box office, did we see the highest grossing movie this weekend domestically? No. Aww. It was. I can't believe I'm saying this. I shouldn't say that because I've never seen any of these, so I can't really judge, but I wasn't expecting it. Insidious the Red Door. Okay. $32.6 million domestic weekend and total for a $64 million worldwide total so far, against an only $16 million budget. Already turning a profit, So, then. good for it. Good job. Yeah. Well done actually keeping your shit together. <laughs> nice work. Second place, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Okay. $26.5 million domestic weekend, $121.2 million domestic total, sitting at $247.9 million worldwide, and it's really depressing to think about how that would be really good if not for the $300 million <laughs> price tag. Yeah, yeah, kind of, kind of bone there. For being completely honest. Yep. Wow, that was a really satisfying pop. Did you hear that? <laughs> no, I did not. Damn it, I can't usually make that noise. Oh, I'm I'm glad that you're satisfied with it. You know that, that thing where you make a pee sound and you make the pop noise? Oh. I fucking nailed it. Oh nice. God, I hope this picked that up. <laughs> Third place. Okay, if I was surprised by Insidious, I'm real fucking surprised by this one. Sound of Freedom. What Sound of Freedom again? <laughs> it is... It's a faith-inspired action movie. What? That's anti... It's an anti-child trafficking movie, which... Good message, definitely. Okay. Problem is... The lead actor, <laughs> as well as the guy he's portraying, are both a couple of fucking QAnon believers. Uh... Hence my skepticism. Yeah, that's... that's, that's, that's what the fuck? <laughs> Anyways, $18.2 million domestic weekend for a $40.2 million domestic total. No worldwide release. 
It's got a very limited release compared to some other theater or some other things that have come out lately. Like mm-hmm. it's in significantly less theaters than Indiana Jones or Insidious. Right. Fourteen point five million dollar budget. A lot of it's crowdfunded, so it's mm. it's already turning a profit. It sounds like, which all right, good for you. It's fantastic. Even a broken clock's right twice a day, I guess. Because again, a movie being anti-child trafficking, good, good. That's a bad thing, and it's good to be against it. Right. Doesn't stop. But it's still... I'm not gonna get into it! <laughs> I'm leaving it! I'm moving on to Elemental! Alrighty. $9.6 million domestic weekend for a $109.1 million domestic total, sitting at $251.8 million worldwide. Again, good. Except for that $200 million budget. What's with all these high-budget movies just bombing? <laughs> That's what fucking happens! Mm. You, you can't expect them all to make a billion fucking dollars. Yeah, no. Especially not when they're all coming out one after the other after the other. Anyways, fifth place. It's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Okay, still holding on. $8 million domestic weekend for a $357.6 million domestic total and $642.2 million worldwide. Trailing at 6th hmm. place, the movie we saw, Joyride. $5.8 million domestic weekend and total. No worldwide information yet, as I can find. No official okay. budget, but I've been seeing the number 32 mil floated around. Okay. Which is not boding well. No, that is not. And that is a damn shame! That is very unfortunate. I like this a lot! Yes. It's got a B-minus cinema score, to which I say, everybody else who saw this movie, what the fuck? How the fuck are you gonna say this is one step above Morbius? Oh, no. Yeah, no. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, deserve Yeah, Morbius got a C+. Plus. Mm. Batman v Superman got a B. Justice what? League got a B+. Plus. No. No, absolutely not. No, these are, like, this is miles better than both of these movies. Now, the thing that I will say is that, the thing about cinema scores is that it's taken by polling people who have seen it after they've come out of the theater, as I understand it. So that means that movies that more people go to see are probably going to have a bigger sample size, and therefore, I don't want to say less picky audiences, but it's kind of the implication. Um, Yeah, I wonder why we... Wait, why we've never been stopped for one of those. Right? What the <laughs> fuck? That is weird. That's for my opinion. That's the whole reason I do this. Yes. <laughs> it's to make people listen to my opinion. <laughs> and laugh. Yeah, that too, hopefully. Opinionated comedy podcast. Right, exactly. <laughs> Where hopefully the stuff that I get angry about is, you know, the right stuff. The right stuff. <laughs> That's the right stuff. I'm not, one of the, I'm not one of those screaming anti-woke <laughs> neckbeard motherfuckers with the fucking red arrows calling every movie that bombs a woke, broke disaster. Yeah, no. I don't want to be one of them. You know how fucking tiring that sounds? It sounds very tiring. You know how fucking hard it must be being the butt of the joke for every halfway rational person on the internet? (laughs) Fuck. So Joyride! So Joyride, it's a good time. It's a, it's a good ride. Yeah, I do not understand why this isn't doing better. Yeah, it, it's a good movie. What did you think this was going to be? <laughs> not what I got, that's for sure. Oh, I met the people, I met the people who... Because, like, the thing is, it's also got good audience scores, it's got good critic scores, so I don't, I don't get it. 
you know, like everything points to, including our takes, point to it being a good movie that was decently well received. So, not sure why it has such a low cinema score. What is it called again? I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, cinema score. Cinema score score. Nice job. Thank you. That little redundant. <laughs> that's, that's my mental name. So, uh, the movie. <laughs> Ashley Park plays Audrey, who is an adopted child, mm-hmm. who then goes up to become a lawyer, a very successful lawyer, mm-hmm. who then gets sent to close a major business deal in China, and she brings her best friend Lolo along, who makes body-positive art. Yes. And while they're there, Lolo's cousin Deadeye ends up coming along, and they end up meeting up with Audrey's friend Kat, who is an actress and who is played by Stephanie Sue. Who, by the way, is very funny yeah. <laughs> as well. She's in Everything God, Everywhere was... All at Once, and she helped really fucking carry that movie, which you need to see. Which I do still need to watch it. She, um, she, fuck, I'm blinking on it, but I remember seeing a thing after we got out of the movie that she was in a Broadway play, and part of the Broadway play had the actors and actresses, like, doing songs, and there's one song about how, how much she just loves dress rehearsal, and it's really funny because it's, very cheery, but also very, very angry. <laughs> huh. Yeah, if I remember, if I remember what it's called, I'll I'll send you like a link to it. It wouldn't happen to be the SpongeBob musical, would it? No, it's not the SpongeBob. Musical. Okay, because apparently she was in that. As what? Karen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she was Plankton's computer wife, apparently. Oh, re- <laughs> yeah, Karen. That's pretty. Great? That's <laughs> I did not know that. Now I like her even more. Mm. Wow. Oh, 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 I just found it. It's called Be More Chill. Okay. Neat. I'll check that out. Yeah, the soundtrack for it is really well done and very funny. Alright. <laughs> also, Sherry Cola plays Lolo and Sabrina Wu plays Deadeye, just to mm-hmm. just to spread the acknowledgments and love around. Yes. Because all four of them are great. All four of them are amazing. This is a really funny movie. <laughs> which also makes it hard to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> because since it's a comedy, all the really good bits are the jokes. And I don't want to give those away. And talking about the jokes spoils the movie. Exactly. So, well, you already kind of gave the premise earlier. Oh, no, I barely actually did the premise. Well, well I guess I did half the premise. The other half of the premise is... As a result of needing to close the deal, thanks to a lie that Lolo spins, Audrey ends up going to look for her birth mother. Mm-hmm. Hijinks ensue. Hijinks- hi- all kinds of hijinks ensue. Multiple hijinks. All- plenty of hijinkses. We got travel problems, we got exhaustion, we've got K-pop, we've got Cardi B. <laughs> oh, man. That's- Yeah. <laughs> We got, it's like, and everything that else that fits in between all of those. <laughs> but no, I, I had a really good time with this. Yeah. This is no, funny as fuck. For, yeah, it's a really good movie. It's really funny. And it's like, it's funny in a way that I was surprised by because the kind of jokes that are sh- given are usually the, like, the lowest common denominator type of, type of humor, but, everyone's delivery is actually perfect, and the delivery is what makes it so memorable. Also, I just realized a second ago, the 
And I don't know whether to call it unfortunate or fortuitous word choice of saying funny as fuck, because this is also an aggressively horny movie. This is... A- <laughs> This this movie is aggressively thirsty. It's an extreme like, thirst. Oh boy. It's something to be- to to behold, that's for sure. Also quite pleased even a lot of the jokes that were in the trailer I still found funny. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's cuz they gave it a little twist like I won't say what, we'll get into it, but <laughs> But even the ones that are just played completely straight from how they were in the trailer still got a laugh, which is surprising because I've seen this trailer or both trailers, so rather. Times. Quite a few times. So many times. Not not even out of, oh, I'm excited for this movie, let me rewatch the trailer. It's just been in front of a lot of movies I've seen. It's also been a lot in front of a lot of, like, YouTube videos for me. Oh, I wouldn't know. I got, I, I'm a sucker and pay for premium. I, well, I don't, but I also watch YouTube mostly on my Xbox. So Fair. I get a lot of ads there. <laughs> I guess maybe the emotional core doesn't really hit that hard. It doesn't for most of the movie. There's one very particular bit where it actually does a very good job. And it's funny because it's like, it almost feels like it's out of nowhere, but it's so well done that it's forgiven. Yeah, they like, built up to it pretty dang well, I thought. Yeah. Like, if 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 it doesn't hit, I think it's just because the movie is so relentlessly humorous that when it and does finally horny. slow down, and relentlessly horny, that <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that when it finally does slow down, it does feel maybe a little jarring, and it takes you a sec to catch up. Yeah, that was kind of my takeaway from it. That's kind of how I felt. But like as the emotional cord was being strung, I was like, okay, we're good. This is still very good. This moment is perfect. <laughs> mm. Well, I, I like this. I, I I'm genuinely struggling to figure out where the disconnect is. Hmm. I mean, I feel like if there is any kind of disconnect, it might be one of those things where, because of how raunchy the movie is, that would probably be the thing that kind of takes people out of it for a second, because, holy shit, the raunchiness goes places in this movie. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> I guess, the trailers didn't really give away how raunchy the humor was going to be, I guess, so that might be a thing. Maybe people were a little bit put off by that, but I mean, if you didn't think that things were going to get a little weird with Stephanie Sue having to shove a condom full of cocaine up her butt. Actually, it was eight of them. Yeah. <laughs> which, not a spoiler, was in the trailers. Yeah, that was in the trailers. <laughs> like you're a claw machine trying to get a stuffed bear. Mm. Get the bear! <laughs> I'm getting the bear! Uh. <laughs> uh, still really funny. Oh, yes. I'm really struggling for anything to say, though, that doesn't feel like a spoiler. Yeah, I don't have anything. So I guess... Go see it. Go see the movie. 100%. Yeah. This is another one of those ones where I don't know if it's going to stay on the top ten, but it's currently on my top ten. And Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure that sounds hollow at this point, since I just said it a couple weeks ago. But there are some <laughs> things on my top ten that are still there from months ago. Mm-hmm. It's just, I see a lot of things, so it shifts. Yeah, indeed. But I, I, and I respect this one a lot, because, and I know I've told you this, but I'll say it again, I feel like comedy is one of the hardest genres of movie to pull off well. Yeah. Well, okay, I shouldn't say hardest one to pull off well, but I should say, it feels the most devastating when it doesn't work. Yeah, because, like, like, sometimes 
even the comedy that it doesn't like make you fall out of your seat laughing will still have some laughs. I'll be like, oh, okay, like still kind of funny. So we'll stay along. If it's just not funny, then it's not funny. And it's really hard to recover from that. Yeah, exactly. It, my way of looking at it is a bad horror movie. You can usually get some laughs out of it. Bad drama. Same. Bad action movie. Yeah, very much so. Bad action movies are some of the dumbest bullshit ever, and that makes them hilarious. <laughs> if you're doing a comedy wrong, that means nobody's laughing, and that means nobody's having a good time. And that's a wretched feeling. Oh, yes. I've been to movies where... God, I still remember the time I saw Daddy's Home in a theater, and nothing is... Nothing is quite <laughs> as disappointing. It was even worse because everybody else in the theater was having a great time, and I'm just sitting there stone-faced like, I don't fucking get it. I get like I get where it's supposed to be funny, but it's not clicking. Right. This is fucking miserable. <laughs> and that was when I realized bad comedies are the worst. Yes. But no, 100%, go see this movie, totally worth it. I would put it on the movie night docket, except I'm pretty sure some people in our group might recoil at some of the sex stuff. <laughs> but I don't know for sure. And I'll fully admit, I mean... I'm a person who usually isn't really into sex stuff in movies. Mm. And when I say into, I mean I don't find it very engaging. In fact, usually my brain just kind of goes, oh, shut off for a bit. Yeah, no, that's fair. Think of something else. But, no, in this case, it's fine. In fact, it's some of the funniest shit there. (laughs) We'll get into that. Oh, yeah. But no, yeah. Worth a shot. 100%. I can't wait to get this movie physically. That came out wrong. (laughs) <laughs> I cannot wait to get a physical copy of this movie. There we go. We don't shame on this show. <laughs> oh, no, I will. Oh, fair How enough. How dare I? <laughs> go sit in your corner. Okay. Mm. Anyways, while he's sitting in the corner, <laughs> if you don't want to be spoiled for Joyride, make sure to click away in three, two, one. So the opening for this movie is a perfect example of where I think they, they mix up some of the jokes in the trailer, because you got the one racist kid who's... Who, <laughs> I'm not going to repeat his quote because it's it makes me uncomfortable just saying it. It's, yeah, for real. But you see the bit where Lolo punches him, and you assume mm. that's going to be it. No, what actually happens is he gets punched, he starts running away, and then someone else on a swing ends up just <laughs> swinging forward and just fucking kicking him in the head. <laughs> And just, like, sending him airborne, just too. Just fucking flying. <laughs> and, while, and while Lolo and Audrey are having fun, there's a whole, you can hear him crying in the back. Yeah, and it's one of those things, it's like, I probably just watched a little kid at maybe get killed, and you're just like, do you want to be best friends? It's like, yeah! That's so it's sweet. Like, it's, like, so sweet. Also, thankfully not dead child, but could have easily been dead child, but still so sweet. <laughs> Also, the town is called White Hills. Yeah, I was just like... <laughs> what a great... We were both laughing at that, because I'm just sitting there like, bruh. <laughs> bruh. It's a little like, on the nose, but I'll take it. Yeah, it's like, oh man, they're just like, they're just like, in case you need any further context, here you go. <laughs> so Audrey's job is full of idiot white guys. Very idiot white guys, who, granted... One of the idiot white guys delivers one of the funniest lines in the movie. (laughs) Because one of the things with Audrey's co-workers and all that is they do the whole thing of trying not to be offensive, but end up being really offensive. Because you can tell their heart's not actually in not being offensive. Yeah. 
they're not really the well. Okay, I think Kevin might be kind of a well-meaning one, but it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Most of them aren't the well-meaning, but accidentally tripping up kind of offensive. It's the I'm only not being offensive because HR will get on my ass if I don't. Sort of inoffensive. And also, my boss is in the same room as me. Yeah, but there's a bit of can, can we say Asian? Can't say anything anymore. You're goddamn right, Kevin. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Which was really funny because it came out of nowhere, but at the same time, it's like, okay, I don't know if I'm supposed to be rooting for this guy or not right now. I, I root for so Kevin. Confused. He accidentally got wall balled in the nuts. <laughs> Turned his dick into dust. Yeah, for real. The fact that they threw a Milan-themed birthday party at the office. Yeah, that was the thing that did. <laughs> it's just like, okay... Kind of in the right, heart's in the right spot, so I don't know if I want to cheer for you. He's like, can't be as bad as the time we threw you that Mulan-themed birthday party. He's like, ooh, ooh, all right, we lost well, a lot of points was, just now. I don't think they said a, as bad. I think they took it as, like, a good thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. It's just like, ooh, oh, that's a bold co- strategy, Cotton. Let's see how that plays out. Oh, that is just, like, just lost a shit ton of points there. <laughs> Dead-eye crushing hard on, on Audrey is funny. Yeah, and it's, and it's like, the movie doesn't, like, explicitly say it, but it's pretty obvious as Deadeye looks at her. Which is also understandable, because Ashley Park is very attractive. Oh, it's, it's not <laughs> just that, it's also the fact when they're talking with, the uh, what's the kid's name, Bao Bao? I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and then uh, the little 12-year-old kid asks, is she single? And then Deadeye just responds, she's my friend. <laughs> Okay, also, also, yes. Deadeye crushing on Audrey is so fucking funny based on what we find out later in the movie, but I guess I'll wait until until we get there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I just want to talk about Deadeye for a second. Yeah, no, <laughs> Deadeye's great. Favorite, favorite Deadeye character. Is, Deadeye is great, and what's funny is that sh- um, they won you over very quickly, but I was just like, I like Deadeye, but they haven't won me over just yet. And the thing that did it, and this is so fucked up, I acknowledge... Granted, I don't know if it's jumping too hard to talk about the thing that won me over with Deadeye. Nah, go for it. If you're in it for spoilers, you're in it for all the spoilers. Yeah, so long story short, the four of them find themselves no longer in China, but going to Seoul. in Like, as in, yes, Seoul, South Korea. And at one point, they find themselves on a train, and the train is full of chickens. And they're just, like, going about, like, balking and all that. And one of the girls complains about the noise from the check-ins. And then Deadeye, without thinking about it, without missing a beat, just get up, gets up, goes to the chicken that's making the most noise, and snaps its neck. <laughs> and I think it's Audrey is the one who says, it's like, Deadeye, did you just kill that chicken? And Deadeye just slowly turns their head to the camera and goes, no. <laughs> Brilliant. Absolutely amazing. I was just like, all right. Deadeyes won me over. That was really... I mean, it was fucked up, don't get me wrong. But that was really funny, and the delivery of all of that was perfect. (laughs) I wish I could remember what it was that made me initially go, man, Deadeye is great. Mm. I think it was... Was I think it was, um... I think it was after Audrey threw up on them. Oh, oh, I thought it was... And then they're like, oh, no problem, I'll get this taken care of, and then they're getting hosed off by some random person. Look at oh, me! Was... Look at me! <laughs> I thought it was the dancing scene. No, that was that was it was before then. 
Oh, okay, cool, cool. It was definitely before the dancing scene. You were talking about the basketball dancing scene, right? Yeah, yeah, Okay, yeah, yeah it was definitely before then. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Really good, really funny, another really funny foreshadowing joke. Uh, where in China are they from? Sh- you want to get canceled? Those are Koreans. <laughs> <laughs> in hindsight, even funnier. Yes, like... Oh man, this movie's full of foreshadowing. How the fuck do people not like this? It's full of, not only is it full of foreshadowing because of that and because of what happens later, and it has one of the most, like, ob- obnoxiously meta castings I've ever seen in any movie. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Let's see. So, Ronnie Chang, who's, uh, John John from Shang-Chi, and also the, the terrible boss from Megan. Mm-hmm. He is the CEO who Audrey's trying to close a deal with. Right. He's good. He's good in everything I've seen him in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, he's also going to be in shortcomings. Just... Hell yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, he's he's good in everything that I've seen him in, and he is definitely enjoyable in this as well. Oh, uh, the party is great. Well, the club, or I should say, is great. Oh yeah. yeah with yeah. the slap fight. Yeah, between Lolo and Cat. Because coming, like, as everyone's coming to China, Audrey decides to meet up with Kat to have, like, to, to A, like, meet her friend again, but also kind of have something of a connection while they're there. And, but Kat is, was Audrey's best friend in college, which Lolo can't quite deal with because she was Audrey's best friend growing up. And so they have a small cat slap fight with each other. Completely out of control, almost immediately, basically fighting over who's her best friend. <laughs> and also on the flip side, I don't know if saying cat feels threatened is the right word, but in trying to get Lolo to not feel threatened, Audrey mm. ends up telling her more details about Cat than she probably should. <laughs> yeah. So presumably she feels a little hurt by that. Right. Like the fact that she... <laughs> Can't even finish the sentence, can ya? <laughs> like the fact that she has a tattoo on her vagina. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie so much. This movie's pretty great. Call me fucking juvenile, but man. It's not even it's not the fact that she has one, it's the fact that Lolo refuses to shut up about it. <laughs> Cause she keeps trying to pry for more details about what it is. And and Audrey makes her promise not to say anything about it, but then eventually she just blurts it out, and Kat just is fucking disgusted mm. by the whole process. It's especially a thing because one of the things going on with Kat, with her being in China, is that she's engaged to a famous Chinese actor, but the actor is Christian and saving <laughs> himself for sex after they get married. But it's established well before then that Kat was a little bit of a freak while they were in college. So everyone's just like, you, cat saving yourself? That girl is, Are in you... fact, a super freak. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's see. <laughs> she like... had sex with, with mm. Nick and Joe <laughs> <laughs> No, Kevin, not impressed. <laughs> yeah. For... <laughs> so... They end, up, they end up taking a train, and then they end up getting kicked off the train because they get into a compartment with a drug dealer because Audrey is kind of racist against Asians. 
It's like part of me was going, is like, is she either is she being racist or is she actually naive as fuck? I feel like it's a, I felt like that whole bit was a combination of both. <laughs> I feel like it's 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 a little bit I guess racist isn't the right word, but you could tell there's I mean, a discomfort there, was, there. I mean I feel like yeah, I, I feel like there was a little bit of that going on, if nothing else. Especially with that conversation but, which was also in the trailer, but I still love it of you still have that sex with the Asian guy, sometimes when I'm when I'm masturbating, I think about Splinter. He's a rat. He's a good father. Oh, that's so bad. It's so, it's so bad. It's so bad on so many levels. <laughs> this is a good movie. So uh. it turns out Lolo's apparently been sexing back and forth with Baron Davis, mm. <laughs> who's a basketball player. And he actually comes to pick them up, so they're all staying in a hotel, and then, fucking, it turns out one of the guys on the team is an ex of cats. Okay. Who is now super horny because a condom full of cocaine that she couldn't get out of her butt <laughs> exploded. Which, oh. Actually- Should have killed her, probably, I think. She she should actually probably be dead. Yeah, they took a because... lot of drugs partway through this movie. Yeah, no, and it's like the fact that it's like an entire like it's a it's not a small bag, but it's also not like huge. <laughs> this feels like, like a fever dream trying to describe it. Yeah, it's like it's like how do you describe the size of a bag of cocaine being up someone's asshole? Um, <laughs> considering that w- that bag exploding would have meant that cocaine would have actually been directly brought into her bloodstream means that she should actually be fucking dead. <laughs> Tolerance, maybe? <laughs> sure. <laughs> you look like you've had a lot of things shoved up your ass. I, I wouldn't say a lot of things. Maybe a lot of variations of one. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, no, no, girl, girl, you can you can stop. You're not helping. You are not uh, helping yourself right now. <laughs> so, in an effort to not act on cocaine-induced horniness, Kat ends up trying to work out, but pulls something, and the guy uses a what the fuck is that thing? I want to say it's some kind of, like, massage thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know what it is. Which doesn't help. No. <laughs> that is not a good descriptor. No, it doesn't. She has to take again, it to the guy's nuts, and it's fucking, ugh. Yeah, it's... <laughs> Ends up shattering his pelvis, apparently. Yeah, and, it, like, at this point, it just turns into... This whole bit of the movie turns into a giant sex-slash-dancing montage... And it's very much one of those things where it's like, this is not what I came here for. <laughs> <laughs> you want to try that again? This is not what I'm here for, but I'm happy for it. <laughs> yeah, no, same. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Big Twist ends up being... Audrey's actually Korean. Oh, and I loved everything that followed after that because I'm not going to lie. Part of my brain was going, it's like, they're seeing a lot of, it's the thing of, so here's the thing. And this is also the thing to remember anytime people talk about China doing bad things. Like China as a country does do a lot of bad shit, but there is always kind of like the same thing with any country. There's always going to be a split between what the government does and what the actual population does. Now, there was a certain point in this movie where internally I'm thinking to myself, is like, why do I get the feeling this is being done by somebody who's like paying like a lot of shit to like talk good about China? 
And then it comes out that Audrey is actually Korean. And immediately following that, Lolo's entire extended family, who they've been sitting, who not only have been, they've been staying with at the, up until this point, have been accepting of Audrey, have like had dinner with her, have given her a special dress for the occasion of meeting her mother, just go full on racist on her. Yep. Just, just actually deeply uncomfortable, like, amounts of Asian racism. And, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to differentiate Asian racism with general racism, because racism is racism no matter what, and all of it's really shitty. But the history of racism within the various Asian countries is genuinely fascinating, even though it's also extremely depressing. Like most racisms. Yes, and the way they present it in this movie is actually kind of perfect. The second they find out that she's from anything but Chinese, they completely turn on her and just like start talking shit about her. And it's like, well, all right, I take away my previous concern. Because <laughs> it's like, damn, they did not shy away from that at all. <laughs> also, it makes the it makes Deadeye having a crush on Audrey really funny since Deadeye is obsessed with K-pop and K-pop idols. So it's like, yes. oh my god, they knew. <laughs> yes, and it's also a thing of having Ashley Park be Audrey is pretty great considering, I guess, she is Korean-American. So it's one of those things where it's like, wow, that is a meta-as-fuck <laughs> casting. <laughs> Great when you know, which I didn't. Yeah, I didn't find out about it till later. It's just like, and really? And then it's like, oh, that is really good, actually. That is extremely good. I wonder, because, like, I, I, can't, I can't presume to know what anybody who already knew that would think going into this. Mm. If they'd assume, oh, they just got whoever they could for this who they thought would fit the part better. Okay, but it's actually a plot twist. That's great. Anecdotal as fuck, of course, but I do remember going through the reaction thread on the movie subreddit, and I remember seeing one person saying, I was really annoyed that they cast Ashley Park as a Chinese woman until the twist, and then I was like, this is perfect. Yep. <laughs> That's Child Falls from a Manhole cover, good. Yeah. <laughs> Another great line from this movie. <laughs> and it leads to an interesting twist on the adoption identity crisis, where... The problem isn't her finding out she's adopted, it's her finding out she wasn't adopted from where she thinks she was. I mean, she was adopted from China, but she's mm -hmm. not Chinese. Yeah, Which no. is interesting. Yeah, and especially because we find out later on as well that the reason why she was even put up for adoption was because her mother got pregnant very young, and the boyfriend not only didn't want to have the kid, but didn't want anyone to find out about it, so... He sent the mom to China to <laughs> have the baby put up for an adoption agency, which is fucked up. deeply fucked up, by the way. <laughs> Very fucked up. Yes. So they end up trying to get to Korea instead, and they do that by posing as a K-pop group because they don't have their passports because their passports are in a bag that the drug dealer on the train stole. Man, fucking... Trying to describe this movie okay. is really fucking hard. Okay, that was the only part that actually took me out of the movie. Huh. Because I was just like, as Audrey is going through this whole thing, he's like, so what we do is that we go to Seoul. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> it's like, no, this is a bad idea. This is stupid as fuck. And then when all of them are going like, you know what, I'm in, it's like, are you guys serious right now? Like, what the fuck? I like <laughs> that it doesn't work. Yeah, but... Um, I like that it doesn't work. But the, yeah. But they, but <laughs> one hell of a K-pop version of wet-ass pussy from Cardi B. <laughs> You know what's funny is that I distinctly remember in the first trailer for the movie, like the original when it was first originally shown, we got a small clip of yeah. that. 
but I think all versions of that trailer that came out afterward had that bit edited out. And I'd say in hindsight, that was probably for the best, because that gave away a very unexpected plot point. <laughs> oh, man. So in the process of them pretending to be K-pop stars, Kat's skirt gets ripped off, and it turns out the tattoo that she claimed was just a sunflower on her inner thigh is actually a full-blown devil tattoo on and in her vagina. Yeah. No, he did not stutter, by the way. No, not, <laughs> there not was... once. I'm actually proud of myself on that one. That one gave me, because in, in the theater, that gave me the giggle fits. Yeah, just, I was just like, oh, they are going. They <laughs> went places with this movie. I was not expecting them to go. Like inside her vagina. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm clipping the fuck out of the mic tonight. Uh. <laughs> so Clarence finds out, stomps away, mad that she lied. They have sneaking out a barge to Korea, and then it turns out mm. the whole thing's become a scandal because everybody, because Lola was live streaming it, mm-hmm. and so Cat's in hot water with the movie she's on, which I actually want to see really bad. I want to watch The Emperor's Daughter. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounded actually pretty interesting. And then Audrey ends up getting fired from her job for not being able to close the mm-hmm. deal because. The businessman backs out because he finds out he finds out she lied about being where she was. So yeah. a big fight ensues, drama, third act breakup, whatever. Everybody goes their own separate ways, while still trapped in Korea, mm-hmm. which made which also gave me a giggle despite the whole thing. Because I'm like, where the fuck are they all gonna go? They're still in Korea. <laughs> yeah, they're still in Seoul. <laughs> so Audrey finds out her mother unfortunately passed, goes mm-hmm. to visit her grave, and then meets up with not her dad but her mom's husband of a few years. Yes, played by Daniel Day Kim. Who turned who, the fuck up. He turned the fuck up. And it's very unsad for me to say, but because of how his face looks, my brain just goes, it's like, is this dude like Korean Mads Mikkelsen? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I also found out, to my genuine shock, that he played Johnny Gat in the Saints Row games. Hmm. Yeah, he, he voices Johnny Gat. But no, he turns up and... Takes Audrey back to the, his house, explains the whole situation with how she was born and why she was adopted and all that. And also brings out a laptop with a video recording that Audrey's mother had made for her. Because as it turns out, Audrey's mom had died from some kind of, I want to say something like, indis- like, I don't think they said what she got sick from, like if it was cancer or anything like that. But whatever she had gotten was very terminal. So she had a party with everyone around her, but obviously with with the exception of Audrey. So she made a video just saying, you know, I hope you're doing well. No matter what you decide to do, no matter what I, what career you chose, just I want you to know that I am so proud of you for who you are as a person, and I will always love you. And in this very funny and horny as fuck movie. Not only was I not expecting, like, emotion, I was not expecting actually well-done emotion. Like, it is genuinely so sad and also very sweet Yeah. at the same time, like, that scene. And it's, that's the bit where I was just like, okay, if you don't find the movie funny, that's one thing. If you don't feel anything in this scene, there is actually something wrong with you. I, I don't know. I could see not feeling it if you've been, because, like, that, that got me. But I was also kind of expecting to be crying, and I was a little surprised when I didn't. The thought of crying did pop up in my brain. <laughs> and I <laughs> feel like it's sure. because I was too acclimated to the movie being funny, to where I wasn't expecting a punchline, but it was a case of, it's a little late to be pulling this, I feel. 
But that's just me. That's for- and like I said, it, it doesn't change the fact that the emotional impact is there. It's just not what I thought it would be. Right. So, uh, they end up patching things up. Mm-hmm. And then they all go on a trip to Paris a year later. <laughs> I feel like them doing Paris is how I would do France again, because I went to... I, amongst other places, I went to Paris in high school, and at the time, I was very enamored with everything around me. But then they're just sitting there looking at, like, a statue, I want to say, within the central park of Paris, and then they just go, you guys hungry? Yeah, I'm just starving. Let's go get something to eat. I was like, you know what? I feel that. <laughs> I yep. feel that to my core. I understand. <laughs> so, and then it turns out at the very end, amongst other things, like, everyone's having a good time. Lolo started selling her art again. Audrey started her own practice. Yeah, uh, Kat is still engaged to Clarence. And then Deadeye got her own, like... Their own. Vagina... Yeah, Deadeye got their own dead, um, vagina tattoo that lights up. <laughs> we don't see it. No, we don't see it, but we see a bit where everyone's just like... She shows everyone. They. And everyone's just kind of... They show everyone, sorry. I don't know why I'm doing that so late, probably because I'm tired. No, we were doing pretty good about it. Up until this point, I think. Yeah. <laughs> they show everyone their tattoo, and everyone's just like, oh my goodness, and then it's, and then it lights up, it's like, and it lights up! Ooh. <laughs> and then the movie ends. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> Leave some room for Jesus. Leave some room for Jesus. <laughs> huh. Oh, God. Yeah, this movie's great. Yeah, no, really good time. I, I can't wait to watch this again. I don't know exactly when, mm-hmm. but I can't wait to do so. <laughs> you got anything else? I, mean, I kind of want to do this for a movie night, but I think, like it, like you said, it very heavily hinges on who we have watching with us. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't have anything else other than just go see the damn movie. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It deserves to do way better than it's doing. Yeah, This makes for real. me sad. I don't like being sad. Help me not be sad. Help me not be sad by pumping up this movie's box office. You know what else helps me not be sad? When people like, comment, and subscribe. And follow our sh- our podcast on Google's Google Podcasts, Spotify, and RSS. You tried. I did try. <laughs> I failed horribly. I appreciate <laughs> it. That makes me happy. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> also, feel free to follow me on the cesspool that is Twitter. <laughs> I could use a fourth follower. Mm-hmm. Maybe even five. Who knows? <laughs> Indeed. So next week, there might not be a movie at all. Mm-hmm. Because I am going to a convention this upcoming weekend. Which means I'm not going to have a lot of time for movie watching. I'm definitely not seeing Mission Impossible. Just because I haven't gotten a chance to catch up on the other ones. What co- Is it just Mission Impossible this week? There's also Theater Camp. Oh, right. Which... I might see that. Yeah, who knows? We might have a movie. We might have we might have discussion topics. I don't know. We'll find mm. out. We'll play it by ear. I'm not stressing this next week. <laughs> In any case, thanks so much for listening, everybody. This has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.